That video provides us with a perfect introduction to what I want to share with you tonight and this Good Friday service. Tonight we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2 and verses 13 through 15. That will be our text for this service. Colossians chapter 2 and verses 13 through 15. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Colossae says this. He says, And you, and you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Tonight, of course, is Good Friday. This is the night that we focus on the cross. Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday and we will focus on his resurrection. But tonight, the cross. And I want us to think together what happened. And that video is compelling. What happened at the cross? Our first point tonight is when you were dead. Did you know that at one time in your life, you were dead? I was dead. In verse 13, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. The Bible tells us that before we came to Christ, each and every one of us, every single one of us, was spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Very simply, you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins does it mean to be spiritually dead? It means that we have no relationship with God. It means our sins are not forgiven. They are not. They are all held against us. It means that we have no spiritual life. We have no spiritual life, therefore we are spiritually dead. It also means, and this is extremely important, it means to be spiritually dead means you have no ability in and of yourself to earn your own salvation, to purchase your own salvation. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do to merit or to accomplish your own salvation. You were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in your sins, Paul tells us. You were dead in the uncircumcision of your flesh, which simply means you were dead in your sinful nature. We were born with a sinful nature. We were born with total inability, an inability to save ourselves, an inability to come into a right relationship with God on our own, by our own doing, by our own efforts or power. You were dead in the uncircumcision of your flesh. So spiritually speaking, in relationship to God, you were sinful, you were powerless, and you were hopeless. That's what it means to be spiritually dead. But God made you alive with Christ. But God made you 
alive with Christ. Again, in verse 13, it says, And you, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. God made you alive by your union with Christ. It's the heart of this passage. God made you alive. You who were spiritually dead, God made you alive through your union with Christ. And in Christ, through Christ, you became spiritually alive. You were given new life. You were given abundant life. You were given eternal life. And we ask, logically, theologically, we ask, on what basis was God able to do this? How was God able to make us alive in Christ? And we see that in verse 13, the very end says, having forgiven us all our trespasses. In Christ, through our union with Christ, God forgave us all of our sins. All of our sins. God granted us an unconditional pardon. We see presidents, especially at the end of their terms, at the end of their time in office, they give people pardons. Those are human pardons. They're arbitrary pardons. This is an eternal divine pardon. The divine holy God of heaven and earth has pardoned you in Christ and forgiven you of all of your trespasses, of all of your sins. And God, in essence, through Christ, says, I no longer hold against you the sins that you committed. I no longer hold against you the sins that deserve eternal punishment. We think of those amazing words of David in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. Do you know who is blessed? It is not the man with wealth and fame. The man or woman who is blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin, oh, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not, no longer counts against him. John MacArthur writes this. He says that God forgives the sins of those who trust in him and includes them in his eternal kingdom and glory is the most important truth of Scripture. And I want you to just let that sink in tonight, that God forgives the sins of those who trust in him is the most important truth of the entire Bible. Our second point tonight is how could God forgive our sins? How can he forgive our sins? And Paul tells us, this is a unique look at the cross here in Colossians 2. First, how could God forgive our sins? First, he canceled the record of debt. In verse 14, it says, by canceling the record of debt that, debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, don't miss this, nailing it to the cross. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. What is the record of debt? If he canceled the record of debt that was held against us, that in essence 
was the record of all of our sins. What is this record of debt? It is the law of Moses. It is the perfect moral law of God. It is God's perfection. God demands that we meet every provision of his perfect, holy, moral law. And we know that in and of ourselves we fail that. We fail that every day. When we think of our thoughts, our motives, our words, our actions, we fail over and over against. And so the record of debt, the law, the perfect moral law of God was against us and stood opposed to us. It condemned us. Here's the legal record against you. Here's all of your sins. You see, the law fully exposes our sin against God and proves, it proves, the record of debt proves that we deserve eternal judgment. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says, all who, re all who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Cursed is everyone who doesn't perfectly keep the moral law of God. That means you're cursed, and I'm cursed. Here's the amazing truth. This he set aside. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God took the record of your debt that stood against us with its legal demands. God took that record of debt and he nailed it to the cross. What it is really saying, it is a theological way of saying that God took our sins and he placed them on Jesus. And Jesus was thoroughly punished and condemned for my sins and for your sins. He took that legal record that condemned you, that eternally condemned you, and he placed it on Jesus. He nailed it to the cross. What a beautiful sentence. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So how could God forgive our sins? First, he canceled the record of debt. Second, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Christ. Who are the rulers and authorities? Here it is clear in its context that the rulers and authorities are Satan and his demonic forces. They are Satan and his demonic forces. We think of that famous verse in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, which some of you here may have memorized. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, it is these powers, these rulers and authorities who play a key role in condemning us before God. We think of how Satan condemned Job before God, and so Satan condemns you before God. He is the great accuser of the brethren. He says, look at the record of the debt. Look at the list of their sins. It is endless. 
And the powers and authorities play a key role in tempting us, in blinding us, and ultimately condemning us. They will do everything they possibly can to keep you from coming to Christ, from keeping you from God. And it says that God disarmed them and put them to open shame. How did he do that? By triumphing over them in him. In him is Christ. In fact, some translations have by triumphing over them in Christ. In Christ. Or in the cross. Some translations have in the cross. By triumphing over them in Christ, in the cross. It's the same thing. It's a synonymous thought here. So, God left the rulers and authorities speechless and powerless in respect to your condemnation to hell. He mocked them. He mocked them because every one of your, excuse me, every one of their accusations against you, every statement of condemnation against you was taken care of, was paid for thoroughly by Christ at the cross. Amazing. His death was so powerful, so thorough, so complete, that the rulers and authorities had nothing to say. Their mouths were closed. It all comes back to the cross. Salvation. Salvation is putting your faith and trust in what Christ accomplished for you on the cross. Salvation is putting your faith and trust in what Christ did for you on the cross. Apart from the cross of Christ, there is no forgiveness. There is no salvation. So think of this with me tonight. Because you were spiritually dead, Christ died so that you might live. Because you were spiritually dead, Christ died so that you might live. Tonight, tonight is Good Friday. Our focus is the cross. Sunday, our focus will be the great victorious resurrection of Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not part of our church family and you don't have a church home, we don't want to take anyone from their own church home, but if you don't have a church home, we would love to invite you to join with us on Resurrection Sunday. We have three different services. We can explain those to you, um, but we would love to have you with us this Sunday. Let's pray together. Father, words could not adequately describe how grateful we are for the cross of Christ. We are grateful that he took that record of death and nailed it to Jesus so that all, all of our sins might be forgiven through him. Oh, Father, we thank you for Good Friday. We thank you for the cross, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.